last time on Pokemon Rollout. Our trio finally met McCool in battle at the Clear Lake City Gym. It was a hard-fought battle on all sides amidst the water, the land, and the lily pads. Charlie accidentally entered the battle himself, but wasn't terribly effective in battle. Liliana decided to join the fray late in the battle by taking a leisurely swim and was not able to get in on the action while Professor Sneeze cheered from the sidelines. In the heat of the battle, Spicy, Liliana's Turtwig, evolved into Grottle, followed by Charlie's Torchic, Bernie, evolving into a Combuskin. With McCool's final Pokémon fallen, the group earned their first badge. They were given permission to go to the ruins and find what they seek before someone else does. Who could McCool be talking about? Find out today on Pokémon Rollout! My name is Nick, and these guys call me their Game Master. And you're listening to Pokemon Rollout, a real-play Pokemon Tabletop United RPG podcast. What's your name? I am Paul. I play Chartreuse Pine, better known as Charlie. I'm Michael, and I play Professor Rudimentus Sneeze. And I'm Lydia, and I play Liliana Shadow Garden. Ooh, we're all so formal today. I love it. <laughs> and... As my lateness uh, to, like, introduce everything shows, I promise you I'm drinking water. (laughs) 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 That's All right. I'm I'm drinking whiskey sour, and I did something fun today. I added this uh, simply balanced lime sparkling water to it in place of lemon juice. Mostly because we ran out of lemon juice, but... Don't you have to do a challenge now? A challenge? Or like some sort of word challenge? Some word? What do you mean? You mentioned the drink. Mm. You are referencing another <laughs> podcast yes. in our network. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I did. So, yeah. So, my punishment will come at the end of the episode. And you can assign <laughs> me some verbal stunt for, to perform. Uh, I, I, could, I could just make a Pokemon version. Everything targets Professor Sneeze now. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the last thing that happened is you have ju- you just beat McCool at uh, the Clear Lake City Gym. Uh, you've gotten your Pokemon back to the Pokemon Center and healed up. And you are ready to head towards the ruins. Charlie, uh, last night you were inspired about uh, thinking about the ruins and the different things. And you stayed up rather late. Uh, studying different, like, what you could about uh, the ruins and the legends around them and things like that. So, for today, this day, all of your occult education checks get a plus two bonus. Sweet. I'm already good at that, too. (laughs) And that is because of Richie rolling. Ah, thanks, Richie. (laughs) Nice. So, so you got one good one and one bad one. Right, right. It's like better, better than what Bosef has gave me last time. <laughs> so we know who our preferred fans are. <laughs> now, Bosef, you know I love you. <laughs> we pick on the fans we love. 
Now, so the yeah, said uh, that somebody else was heading there. So we should get to the we should get to the ruins really quickly. Yeah, so Charlie's like standing at the door of the Pokemon Center. And he's like waving, "Come on, guys, let's go!" He's waving them on, like, "Let's get going." He's actually waiting a little bit for them before he starts heading down the road. Hold on, a I have little to make bit. sure I have all of my creams packed. Wait, is Charlie going in the wrong direction again, or <laughs> <laughs> at first? Okay. <laughs> Charlie's sense of direction directly is great. past a sign that says "ruins this way." This <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, well, we at least been to the ruins before. In fact, I'm going to exercise my my chroniclerness, uh, being that we've been at least around the ruins before. I, Charlie knows where they're at. Okay. Right. Well, <laughs> way to go, Charlie. is impressed. Hey, <laughs> you're growing up. He's growing so much. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so like proud. his tears start like falling down. Professor sneezes in Liliana's cheek, like a little boy. <laughs> All right. So, um, as you had there before entering the ruins, uh, you run into a large group of people in business suits crowding the entrance, which uh, one of which is in the midst of a heated argument with a man currently guarding the ruins. Um, overhearing what you can, uh, you gather that this is an interest group sent by someone named Larry Castoro, who is apparently a big name in the traditionally Chan parts of the region. A technology or general education check will get you more. Charlie already knows some. And I'll let you know what that is after everyone rolls. I got 15 on general education. Uh, I, ooh, I got a, I got a 12. That's okay. as good as I can do. <laughs> All right. Um, Charlie, you knew right away that uh, Larry Castoro is fairly important. He's the CEO of Biberel Enterprises, an item manufacturing company focusing on the basics. Basic balls, bandages, potions, etc. Uh, they have a decent following in the Chan areas of the region for offering their product at a lower price without a major reduction in quality. But in the D section, they have limited scope. Ratu Corp is ubiquitous south of the mountains at the end. It's actually supposed to be a Biberel. I, I mispronounced. <laughs> like, I just had Justin to ask. Bieberel. I'm so sorry. B B Biberel the Pokemon. not Justin Biberel Corporation. <laughs> and it's Larry. It's Larry. Oh. This is all going. Larry oh, Castoro. Larry Castoro, CEO Ju of Biberel. Justin is his, is his much more popular nephew. Justin Biberel. <laughs> I bet he sings stupid songs. I give up. That's that's canon. <laughs> um, he has a nephew named Justin, <laughs> who's a whiny pop singer. He's actually no, he, he's actually rather popular on the contest circuit. Ah, um, yes, with his loudred. With his loudred, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, I'm so uh, sorry. Charlie and Professor Sneeze also know that uh, Larry Castor himself is a bit more of a mystery. Uh, the man projects the persona of an accomplished professional businessman through his advertising and public appearances, but very little is known about his personal life, and even less about his life before founding Biverell Enterprises. And Professor Sneeze, um, due to that role, uh, you actually remember way back when you when you went to Ratu several years ago... Um, you uh, were in a conversation with someone, uh, like with you went out with for drinks with one, some of the other researchers there, and one of them worked with Biberal Enterprises. And you remember the gist of his story is essentially that uh, 
Biberal Enterprises had a sudden leap in both product quality and the sub- subsequent market share a few years back, and ugly rumors about a connection between the elusive Larry Castoro and the Futurists surfaced shortly afterwards. Uh, these rumors seem to have been founded on hearsay, however, and they have since faded. All right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, to our audience, I'm not sure if they know, the Futurists is um, the criminal organization based in the Chan region. Uh, their focus is essentially uh, science and scientific advancement at any cost. So you guys do know me. My visceral reaction to seeing these people connected with uh, Larry Castoro is just... Ugh, these people suck. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, as soon as he sees you, the man guarding the door waves you past him, which sets off another round of arguing from the businessman. And as we walk by, I, fl- I flash the badge, be like, yeah, that's right, this, yep, here's my badge, we're, we're yeah, we're going in. <laughs> I wave with a big grin, knowing exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> Liliana just keeps walking like, I don't know them. I, I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh, the entry to the ruins is a shaft of smooth brown stone that you haven't really seen before. Um, except for Charlie. Charlie looks kind of like some of the rock you saw passing through the crystal caverns on your way from Landsmeet to Restful Fjord when you were in the deepest parts of the caves. Um, rough steps cut into the stone lead down into the earth. We go down. <laughs> Say, so are there other are there other ways we can go? <laughs> Seems to be a straight path at the moment. Then, uh, yeah, we we go down. Um, is it relatively dark here? Um, it seems to be getting darker. Okay. Um, uh, just as the light from the sun fades into darkness, patches of the stone begin to glow with a soft, oddly colorless light, illuminating everything and eliminating basically all shadows. Uh, the glowing stones have obviously been sculpted into shape protruding slightly from the rough walls. Uh, Charlie, the light matches the crystals in the crystal caverns. Uh, I got a nine on this technology check. So, like, I, I look around and I, I pass information around, like, uh, hey, you know, I read I read something about these crystals where they're actually they're really hard to uh, manipulate and, and maneuver, guys. Uh, I, I wonder how they, they made them this way. I mean, they're supposed to just, like, be either crystalline, or if you try to form them, they break. Interesting. They must have some excellent technology on their hands. Or, I don't know, maybe maybe a Pokemon did it. Oh, that's a good thought. Um, I'm going to just do a quick Pokemon education check to to see if I know of any Pokemon that could do this. Um, That's 13. Um, of the Pokemon with, like, the strongest acids and things to shape them, uh, most of them don't live in the Crystal Caverns okay. area, so there's not really a much connection there. Um, that you know of, there's no Pokemon that is both in the area of the Crystal Caverns and powerful enough to shape it, to shape the Crystal. Got it. So likely man-made, or at least mankind was involved in perhaps bringing a Pokemon to the area to do it. Probably, Yes. Uh, soon enough, as you continue following down, markings start appearing on the walls. Uh, the markings depict a rudimentary drawing of a white, four-legged creature with a gold cross-like wheel connected to its abdomen. Uh, the being is written large on either side of the hallway, with the rest of the space around it blank. 
A little farther down the hallway, it's joined by three other figures. Another four-legged shape, this one blue. A being resembling a gray and pink dragon on two legs. And a gray and gold snake with six black wings. The four figures are surrounded by a circle of 18 points, each point a slightly different color. Farther down, the first figure has diminished in size, while the other three figures have grown. I'm going to roll an occult education to see what I can, can glean from this. Okay. All right. That is lots of math. Uh, 17 plus 2, I would get a 19 on that. Okay. Uh, as you're looking... <laughs> as you're looking it over, Archie uh, pipes up as well, and he confirms what you've gathered like a, a, about a second before. Arceus, creating universe. Dialga, Palkia, Giratina. Space, time, death. See points? His tail hand points to all the dots surrounding the four legendary figures. Primordial ar- archetypes. Creation runoff. Excess gathered up by Arceus, preserved. No shape, no purpose. Yet. Charlie, looking it over, you notice that although the drawing of Arceus is somewhat crude, the other three are oddly detailed. It's almost as though the original painter created the paintings of the creation trio based on more than just descriptions. Okay. Okay, And so I I convey that uh, noticing to them, just uh, say, uh, look at how how deep... Hey, folks, guys, uh, look at at how detailed... uh, Palkia and uh, Giratina and Dialga are compared to Ar- Arceus. Arceus looks like a goat caught in a fence. Uh, but the other ones... <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I stole it from some Puckle episodes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Over so here, deep underground, you hear a slight rumble of thunder. <laughs> Um, but I mean, these are these are incredibly accurate drawings. I mean, uh, would, would you agree, Professor Sneez? Do you know much about these? Pokemon education. Um, thirteen again. Uh, yeah, yeah, Charlie. Arceus created Dialga to govern time, and Palkia to govern space, and then shortly afterward, they created the universe. Or, or that's how the legends go, anyway. I don't know how much truth is in it. Yeah, and that's all they're supposed to be, are only legends, but these are so detailed. Whoever made these must have seen them? That seems to be so, yeah. Very interesting. You should you should write about this in your journal, Charlie, so that we can uh, so that you can continue your studies. Oh yeah, good idea. As you keep moving down this the hallway, the story continues. Uh, with the three figures bringing the world into shape and then retiring into their own separate universes. Uh, the rise of Heatran at the center of the planet. Arceus stepping in to create the Lake Guardians and seal Heatran away. The coming of Mew. And the rise of people and Pokemon. All the myths about what happened before human culture came into being played out over the walls in a simplified form, one after the other. And uh, Archie's been kind of narrating bits and pieces and letting Charlie take over when he knows as well. Interesting. Um, and and uh, a, a, as we're going down, Charlie does have his journal out, and he is uh, uh, you know, chronicling this place as well as he can. Uh, his drawings uh, may be crude, but he's still getting like the basic idea down. 
once you get to the point where the myths basically come to the end, uh, Liliana feels a tug on her pant leg. And when she looks down, it's a uh, grunge pulling on her leg. Well, hey, what's up? What, what do you What do you want? <laughs> After you look down, he lets go of your uh, pant leg and then crouches, wagging his tail. Uh, at the same time, Katana drops from her place on Charlie's back, moving in front of him and motioning him to bend down with one arm. And Charlie does that. <laughs> grunge looks at Charlie and then back at Liliana and is like seems really excited. But Liliana's gonna bend down and be like, did you see something or did you smell something? Like, or hear something? Uh, as soon as Charlie and Liliana bend down, Professor Sneeze hears at his ear, apologies. Just before Archie smacked his tail across both of Professor Sneeze's eyes. At the same time, Grunge leaps up and licks Liliana's face, his tongue managing to catch both of her open eyes as he does so, and Katana scrapes a bit of material from her egg pouch and flings it into Charlie's eyes. Gah! What was that for? Ew, quiet. No slobber. I I can't see anything! As you all recover from that, um, all three of you realize something. Um, You are in a patch of shadow in the corridor between two crystal formations, and it should be much darker. However, something seems to be lighting up the area around you. A moment of looking around, and you find the source. Professor Sneeze's hair is giving out soft white light. Hmm. A reaction to? No. Too small. Unless? Then why not earlier? Felt connection, but to manifest strenuous activity? Perhaps. But Archie just trails off into incoherent muttering. (laughs) I'm going to assume that I just don't notice. So, where's that light coming from? (laughs) Why why is your hair glowing, Professor? It's It's all shiny. My hair? What? And just just so everybody can get this visual, um, Professor Sneeze's hair, picture Doc Brown from Back to the Future, his hair just kind of wild and all over the place, or Albert Einstein sort of, big white hair, just troll doll. kind of a hair, halo <laughs> around my head, and so that that hair is what's glowing. <laughs> and now it's apparently under like a, a black light, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> It's actually secretly some hair gel that he's using. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean by hair? What are you talking about? Well, look, Liliana, like, whips out a mirror from her purse and just, like, holds it up to Professor Sneeze's face. Ah! Archie, what's happening to me? Ah! I start trying to bat at my hair and just pull out chunks of it. Archie ah! smacks your hands. <laughs> prism. Uh, you are Prism. Prism? What? Occult education check for the word. Let's have at it. Uh, that is a 14. Prisms are human beings with a very strong connection to normal type. Um... This connection manifests in the ability to use normal type moves more strongly, especially those connected to light. And out of character, this is uh, Professor Sneeze's new class, uh, known as Prism. Um, so uh, I, Michael, know that this is happening, but Professor Sneeze, for Professor Sneeze, this is all very new. <laughs> 
Got it. He's blooming. He's <laughs> blooming. <laughs> so what what, do, just, what heard... do you mean that I can use normal type moves and connect it to light? What? Only a few at first. Should have manifested much earlier. Much strenuous activity in past. I mean, I just started being a Pokemon trainer. I wasn't before. Hmm. Uh, generally manifests due to uh, strenuous activity, danger, such as. So, if none in past, did not manifest. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. You know, I, I grab a strand of my hair and I'm staring at it and trying to inspect it very, very closely. <laughs> Should manifest more as uh, powers, as time continues. I have to using... continue to study this. Right, so do you continue onwards, or? Yes. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything we can do to figure out why our Pokemon tried to blind us, but... Yeah, let's just keep, keep going for now. Okay. Um, as you go on, the hallway finally opens up into a large room. Uh, the room was painted on all, is, all, is painted on all surfaces, showing a large kingdom surrounded on three sides by the sea. The towns in the kingdom are small, and large herds of varied Pokemon roam between the lands. In the center of the room runs a line of mountains, dividing the kingdom in two. Uh, On the far wall, the painting changes, the colors and lines growing a little more abstract. Two doors are placed against the wall, both the same size and shape. Painted above the door are two figures, both painted far more vividly than the rest of the room. One figure resembles a crescent moon in shape, its pale body curved lightly with a yellow underside. Its head is fox-like, crowned by a yellow tiara shape, with a pink jewel in the center of its forehead. Three arcs of pink light swirl around the figure, and it seems to glow with its own inner radiance. The second figure is a formless being of blackness, with only two points of color within it, a gray-white plume like smoke rising from the top of the shape, and a deep red spiked collar encircling the shape just below the base of the plume. This figure seems to absorb all light except for the collar, which bleeds a malevolent red radiance. Sounds like it's time for another occult education check. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. <laughs> it's very um, timely. <laughs> 19. Okay, uh, the two figures you know are Cresselia, which is the crescent shape, and Darkrai. Dark shape, the gods of good dreams and nightmares, respectively. Uh, both figures are also known for setting prophetic dreams. Cresselia exhortations and directions for good outcomes, and Darkrai warnings of horrible fates. The fact that both figures are depicted together over each doorway is significant. The painter is trying to say that the future behind each door is both good and bad. An element of sacrifice is needed to reach the future behind each door. Uh, The door on the left seems to have been hewn from a single piece of stone. Its surface is rough and pitted, and its bottom is raised unevenly above the floor. On its surface is painted a simple pastoral scene, with rolling hills leading down to a glimpse of a sparkling blue sea. The natural bumps and pits of the door have been cleverly incorporated into the painting, making it seem almost as though you are looking at a real scene on the other side of a glass door. The handle is at first a bit difficult to see, but you eventually distinguish it disguised as one of a small copse of trees, a piece of twisted driftwood. 
The door on the right, by contrast, is meticulously flattened and sized, and sits flush against the wall. On the surface is painted a Fero's eye view of a grand city, resplendent in its beauty and architectural grace. The city seems to rise from an artificial hill, and even what would be the poorest districts are clean, tidy, and beautiful. The painting is stylized and obviously artificial, but a closer inspection shows that it is rife with what seem to be technical details and schematic descriptions, written in fine print along the sides of the door in a language unknown to you. You get the feeling that someone with architectural understanding could recreate the, ci the city depicted on the door, based solely on the schematics given by the door itself. The handle on this door is readily apparent, a curved piece of faintly growing crystal. Any education checks and perception checks to learn more about the area. Right now you seem to be alone in the room. Well, with that, I want to do a perception check. <laughs> uh, I perceive ten. I'll do a general you 10 what? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a general education of seven. Okay. That was bad. Um, Professor Sneeze, studying the painting on the ground, it looks fairly similar to the Chandi region, though it shows more lands to the north, east, and west than the Chandi region currently covers. Hmm. Um, Charlie, you notice that the door on the left, the rougher door has been opened, probably only a few hours ago. Uh, the door to the right hasn't been touched in decades. At least. Okay. Um, you also notice Katana looking intently at both doors. She seems to be switching between the two like she can't decide. Like, like she can't decide on either of them, or both of them are kind of speaking to her. Okay. Hmm. Um, out of character question, are Grunge and Archie doing anything, or are they just sitting um, around? Grunge and Archie both actually seem to be watching Katana. Hmm. Now, you remember that she is the archetype of solitude, so if anything's hidden, she probably knows. Okay. Um. So I, so in noticing this in Katana, I kind of kneel down and, um, say... You, you, uh, Katana. You, you seem torn. You don't know what which door to go to. Uh, Archie, do you got any insight on this? Could mean hidden things are farther away. Could mean both doors have hidden things. Hmm. Could mean both doors meet up later and both lead to same thing. So basically, we know nothing. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> 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 Only four days old, remember? Still young. <laughs> um, Trying try to decide on the character choice for Charlie if he's just going to go and grab the door that he wants to go into. Because, I mean, just to make sure I'm understanding, this is what we're, we have two choices, basically. We have to choose which one we're going to go into, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm debating about whether Charlie is just going to go and grab it or if he... Uh, if he recognizes the, if this is like actually a big momentous thing. And Professor Sneeze is also going to be kind of conflicted here because uh, on the surface, he would be attracted to the pastoral scene on the left door. But the fact that the right door hasn't been opened for decades is also very interesting to him that it's untouched. So kind of for the same reason, he's attracted to both. <laughs> 
What's what's Liliana thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Liliana is the brute force for the group, so she's kind of just hanging back and just getting irritated at how long the other two are taking. (laughs) (laughs) So just pick a door. It can't be that hard. Our protagonist, lady and ge- ladies and gentlemen, so decisive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Charlie says, uh, "No, I'm. I want. I want to go to both doors. Um, so we could. M- McCool said that we should. Uh, someone else was going to be there. Like we had have to beat them. Well, I mean, is we should go down the door that's that's kind of open, right? Or maybe the door that they didn't take is a shortcut." <laughs> and our GM face palms. <laughs> uh, out of character, I will say that both options are good. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I think, and okay. so helpful. And am I assuming that this is a situation where we need to uh, pick? Uh, like, we're not going to split up the party, right? <laughs> no, we are not going to split up the party. That would be a terrible idea. <laughs> Please don't. I <laughs> but, no. um, So we need to ask... One door will tell only lies, and one door will tell only <laughs> the truth. <laughs> so, no. I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> Literally, Cresselia and Darkrai are above both doors. Both doors are both good and bad. Okay. Neither one is better or worse than the other. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, well, Professor Sneeze is leaning towards the right door because it has been unopened and we're less likely to encounter other people behind that door. So uh, I'll, I'll say that in character. Okay. Because it looks like there will be, there won't be as many people behind the door to the right. Uh, and it looks like other people have taken the door to the left. Let's try that one to the right. I'm all about that because when it comes to challenging people and beating them, I am there. Uh, all right. Uh, just to th- throw a fun little wrench in it, not that we need to belabor this anymore. Char- 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 Charlie's like, <laughs> Charlie's like, but but McCool said that we need we need to we need to go after the other people. So uh, Charlie Charlie generally wants to go to the door to the left. <laughs> Are we dragging Charlie to the right, or are we following Charlie to the left? I have a strong opinion. Charlie has a strong opinion. Liliana, it's up to you. Make the decision. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Ar- Archie just starts idly flipping a coin with his tail hand. <laughs> so if you guys don't decide to do, Charlie's just going to go for it. Okay. Well... All right, you know what? If you want to go down through the left door, let's do it. Grunge can sniff out these people so we can find them even faster. All right, so Charlie goes and he pulls the the handle on the door, the left door, with the pastoral scene. Okay, the left, uh, the handle is rough under your hand, but serviceable. Um, The door opens to a short tunnel, which leads downwards and and away from the first chamber before opening up to another room. The tunnel and the room are noticeably rougher, with the patches of glowing crystal standing out more sharply than before and seeming more natural. Uh, the second room is painted just like the first, 
though in a noticeably more vibrant, whimsical style. The signs of humanity in the land have expanded, with small towns in nearly every patch of land and a few small cities forming. However, the cities themselves emulate the land far more closely than from the earlier uh, painting. It takes a few moments to find the smaller towns in the painting, and the land itself is vibrant and green throughout. Farmland has grown over the continent, but there are still obvious patches of untouched wilderness throughout the land. The buildings depicted actually remind you of the buildings you just saw in Clear Lake City. They have a similar style, though it is more primitive here. Against the far wall are once again two doors. The door to the left is barely a door at all. It is instead a rough stone block, jet black, and completely unpainted. Uh, Professor Sneeze, this door looks like a stone from Trilithon Sanctuary. The door on the right depicts a mountain path in the same style as the door you entered to reach this room. In the distance, there is a magnificent city. Oddly, the city is rendered in a wildly different style than the rest of the painting. It looks like the city from the rightmost door in the first room. The handle is polished wood, seeming to have naturally grown into a perfect handle shape. Once again, two painted figures crown each door. While the two pi- while the two figures over the right door are once again the same size, the black figure over the left door is now noticeably larger than the other shape. The fact that Darkrai is larger means, obviously, that there is more danger in the left path than gain. However... The fact that Cresselia is still in the picture means that there is still good to be found in taking this path, which would be lost by taking the other path. So there is still something in the leftmost path, the rightmost path it doesn't have. There are a few places here and there in this room that show signs of wear and tear. And on the right side of the room, a small leak has, spl- has sprung, creating a large puddle on the east end of the painting. Swimming within this puddle are three white eel-like Pokemon with red stars on their foreheads. The Pokemon seem to take no notice of you. Professor Sneeze, you know that these Pokemon are called uh, Tynamo. Although Tynamo live in the water, they are pure electric-type Pokemon. And Charlie, uh, you realize that the technology between this room and the last, like in the painting... It's definitely improved. Farmland is even is far more even and healthy seeming, and there even seems to be a few fences and walls built for defense against wild Pokemon in places, though these do little to mar the aesthetics of everything. Interesting. Um, um. Professor Sneeze, one more thing that you know about Tynamo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, have, they have levitate, which weakness to ground is completely negated. Wow. All right. Um, in that case, I uh, Charlie, um, he sees the Pokemon, and since they haven't uh, noticed us yet, uh, I'm going to use my uh, fast pitch. I'm going to throw a great ball at it. Uh, at um, is there like a middle one? They're swimming around all, all like in between each other and around everything. So sometimes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you let me just kind of take take a pot shot and see if I hit one. Sure. Okay. Uh, that's an eighteen. All right. So that's going to be for damage. That is uh nineteen. And then I roll the d one hundred. Man, it's been it's been so long since we've Pokemans. 
There we go. And then the D100. Ooh, that's nice. That is a 17. And then, uh, I said I used a great ball, right? Yes. Alright, so that makes it even better. That makes it a 7. Okay, the ball shakes once. Ding! Congratulations, you caught a level 14 female Tynamo. Booyah! The other oh. Tynamo immediately reacts to this. Um, and one of them gets... One of them looks like it's trying to hide away, and the other one gets angry and fires a blast of electricity at Charlie. Charlie, you are now paralyzed. <laughs> well, use Thunder Wave. And, uh, new initiative is up. Archie, rush in and scratch one of those Tynamo. That'll oh. be actually 32. 32. So that did 25 damage, and the Tynamo is injured, if you want to describe that. Uh, yeah, Remember, they are in a puddle. Flips off of my back and rushes forward and kind of darts across the, the pond, and with his tail behind him, uh, scratches across the Tynamo as he leaps across the little puddle uh, and ends up on the other side and does that, like, superhero pose for, you know, the three-point landing, where one arm is up, and then the tail is also up. <laughs> awesome, so that Tynamo is surprised and in pain. Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> uh, Professor Sneeze is uh, kind of surprised by all of this. Uh, he was interested in the Tynamo, and Charlie kind of uh, astonished him by uh, throwing a Pokeball at them. Professor Sneeze isn't interested in catching any of them necessarily. Um, but uh, as soon as the, the shock came out, Professor Sneeze uh, reacted with shock and, oh, what's going on? And uh, the, the brightness on his hair just grows more and more bright until it's all of a sudden blinding, and a big flash comes out and uh, blinds the, the time off. <laughs> uh, yes, Professor oh, both Tynamo recoil or blinking. Suppose their accuracy is down by one. Liliana, you're up. Alright. Um, Liliana is going to use some poison powder on the Tynamo that is the most out of it right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay, roll the hit. Oh, that's right. Okay, I have to do stuff. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I got a 12. Okay, that hits, so that, so the one that was just scratched is now also poisoned? Yes. Okay, do you want to describe how that hits, or what you did to make it poisoned? Yeah, so Liana's gonna quick reach into her bag and pull out some of the poison powder that she has in the little pouch, and just kind of toss it into the water in the general area of the hurt, the already hurt Dynamo. Tynamo. Dynamo, Tynamo. Dynamo, Tynamo. <laughs> I think we have a nickname. Tynamo is Tynamo. <laughs> yes. Katana is staring intently at the leftmost door. Does not seem much interested. Okay. Um, can Katana do a perception check? Sure. So Katana does a perception check. 
And she gets a four. Okay. Um, Katana does not know much more than she already did. But she's staring intently at the left door? At the left door. And not giving much uh, mind to the right door? No. Okay. Um, um, sorry. Uh, uh, Katana uh, continues to... Yeah, the perception check was her turn. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, how, can you uh, remind me how the two Tynamo are looking right now? Uh, one of them has is uh, much the worse for wear and is poisoned and blinking rapidly. The other one is kind of cowering at the bottom of the pool and is also blinking rapidly. Liliana's going to turn to Professor Sneeze and be like, Which one did you want? Because I don't want to take the one that you wanted. So. If you were thinking of catching one of them. Cool. Thanks for being such an awesome pro, Professor Sneed. Liliana tries to like do a fist bump with him, but he's not quite getting it, so she just kind of just eventually awkwardly pats him on the shoulder. <laughs> he goes for yeah. a handshake, and then he goes for a high five, and then and then he kind of goes for another handshake, and then he's, he kind of holds out both hands, and then he goes for a hug. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just kind of like for a split second, just kind of debates on whether she should just push him into the water with the dynamo, or. <laughs> but that's that's when she decides on the awkward little shoulder pad thing. <laughs> Professor C is like pats her hand that's past the patting his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Liliana goes If the Tynamo weren't blinded by that flash, they would be so confused right now. (laughs) I am as well. So basically, Professor Sneeze was like, okay, so Liliana, catch whichever you want. I'm just gonna make the other one unconscious, so. Awesome. (laughs) Hey. For sure, a little summary. Alright, so Liliana is going to use a great ball and toss it at the... Uh, Liliana used her turn for poison powder. Oh, I'm using with Grunge. It's it's Grunge's turn, so Grunge cannot throw Pokeballs, I'm I'm afraid. Well, I just did all that for nothing. (laughs) If he can believe in himself, he can. Uh (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so Grunge is... Grunge is going to bite (laughs) the um, Tynamo that is not as hurt. Okay. Seems like a dumb idea, but here we go. Um, so I got a three for accuracy. Okay. The Tynamo at the bottom of the pool manages to just barely wriggle out of the way of Grunge's bites. Wriggles to another side of the pool. Alright. So then, that Tynamo that just wriggled away, um, kind of spins around panicking and... Uh, swings towards the side of Grunge and slams into Grunge's side, which knocks Grunge, poor Grunge, away with a little yelp. And he did 24 physical normal damage with a tackle. And Grunge gets knocked out of the pool. It's, it's pushed two meters. Archie, you scratch on the other tiny mo. So the one that he didn't scratch before, now he will scratch again leaping across the little puddle uh, and 
plotting a wicked scale, basically. And he rolls a 9 on that stretch. Okay. Roll damage. 35. Good grief. 35. I really like this uh, type ace thing. This, this normal type ace. Like, plus 5 to damage? That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that did 28 damage which gave that Tynamo an injury as well. Would you like to describe that? Yep, uh, basically he leaps back across the pond, back towards me, uh, and as he's doing so, uh, he swats under the water and hits that Tynamo with his tail uh, and knocks it into the side of the puddle and against the stone wall, doing a little more damage that's what uh, is causing it. Hits the wall and kind of gets a bruise. To get all the sound effects involved. Charlie isn't really interested in what uh, what uh, the other stuff is going on. He just goes and picks up his pokeball and. Hey, I'm I'm your trainer. How you doing? I, I just caught you. Are you rolling anything? Uh, no. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I am roll- I'm gonna roll charm on that. <laughs> uh, roll a seven- that's a seven for charm. Tynamo does not shock you, but it's considering it. No, no. <laughs> or, like, you know, you know how you, like, uh, you kind of, like, hold your, your hand out to, like, uh, just gradually to a dog to, like, let it sniff it? That, that's kind of what Charlie's doing. Such a great relationship with his Pokemon. <laughs> um, a, a small spark does come out of the Tynamo as you reach its, your hand towards it. Ooh, you're uh, feisty. <laughs> um, the other Tynamo, the one that is poisoned and blinking and all that fun stuff, uh, manages to right itself and it cover. It suddenly flips out of the pool. And over to slam at Archie, but Archie at the very last second flips out of the way. Way to go, Archie! Animo, you spark and missed. Alright, now Lilian is actually going to use a, uh, a great ball on the, you know, the worst for wear. That actually just switched before the second one that was hit looks the worst for her, but now the one that is poisoned looks slightly worse. Okay. I'll go for that one. I go for the weak. <laughs> Alright. Okay, so I got a 17. Okay, that hits. 21. Okay, the ball shakes once, and ding! Uh, you caught a level 14 male Tynamo. Only females in the group. <laughs> Charlie's, Charlie's is female. So, um... Grunge is going to use Mirror on the Tynamo. So I rolled a 13 for that. Okay. Uh, that does hit, and the Tynamo loses one speed st- or one defense state, if you want to describe that. Alright. So, Grunge is going to run back up to the water after being so rudely hit away and just glare at the little Tynamo and kind of bare his little teeth. But he's still so cute. But he looks angry now. Grr. 
Um, Charlie's gonna do another uh, charm. Just uh, he's gonna keep reaching out his hand and kind of smiling, and be like, "Hey, buddy. Hey. Oh, you're you're oh you're a, a, a feisty. Hey, I I just came up with your name. You are called Feisty the Tynamo. Nice. And uh, the charm on this one is is only a six. The spark. The, another spark flies out, but this one misses by a little farther. <laughs> He's warming up to me. <laughs> Actually, he's just rolling badly. You're, you're raring down. <laughs> but 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 Charlie thinks he's 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 warming yeah. up to him. <laughs> um, the final Tynamo is actually cowering at the bottom of the puddles, and it does not seem to want to move. That's really sad, though. Actually, when you think about it. <laughs> Out of character, because like honestly, Charlie, once he caught the his Tynamo, he like checked out. He's like, "Yep, you guys do whatever." Uh, so out of character, uh, you know, you could just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's attacking you anymore. Um, actually, uh, Charlie, if you can roll for paralysis again, I forgot. <laughs> uh, two. You didn't say anything this last round. You just uh, <laughs> just shot. <laughs> Right. So, uh, if you guys decide to, that means that the battle is over. Um, and now that the battle is over, uh, Charlie is also, uh, Charlie emotions to his bag where he keeps, uh, the medicine, uh, in his paralyzed state, trying to hint, uh, for... Uh, sneeze or Liliana to to get the medicine in there. <laughs> in which uh, case you'll find uh, two paralyzed heal, and if you could give me one. <laughs> I'm going to roll an intuition to see if I understand what Charlie is saying. <laughs> What's a 14 do me? Do I understand him? You understand him. Okay. <laughs> I did that mostly for laughs. <laughs> Man, I wish you would have like failed on that. Like, what what do you want, boy? Is is it someone fall down the well? <laughs> <laughs> uh so no, okay. I go into his bag and I take out the medicine to help him. So. Okay. Uh, while you're doing that, Katana just hops down off of Charlie's back and heads towards the left door. As she gets closer, a bunch of carvings, a myriad of carvings on the door begin to glow a deep blue, creating abstract, abstract oddly primal designs. Whoa, you guys see this? That's very curious. I mean, I think that means we should should go in or, or should... I don't know. Do, what happens when uh, when our Pokemon go to the other one, the other door? Let's try it out. Archie, go step in front of the the door to the right. Ar- Archie gives you a bit of a look and then walks over to the door. Nothing happens with the door, and he goes. He, he turns to you and goes, "Different door." Well, I I know it's a different door, Archie. <laughs> I'm exercising the scientific method here. <laughs> Ar- Archie sighs and says, "Different kind of door." Ooh. I mean, let's let's take this as a good omen. Let's go in. Charlie Charlie makes the executive decision this time. He just goes and opens that door. Uh, the, 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 glow, the glowing door. As soon as you touch the left door, the block of stone shakes and then shifts to one side, opening up the passage. Ah, I did it. 
<laughs> I imagine Charlie starts thinking he has magical powers. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, did you ever put that Tynamo away? Uh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Uh. So yeah, we start going. And I just emotionally, like, come on, come on, feisty, let's go. <laughs> you take twenty-two uh, electric physical damage. <laughs> Oh, no. Okay. It hits you with the struggle attack, electricity based. All right. Ow. Well, you're gonna have to go into timeout. Come back, Tynamo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you return to Tynamo, and then you're heading down the leftmost passage. Yes. Okay. Uh, the tunnel behind the stone seems to be almost entirely natural, with only the floor smoothed out for ease of walking. The tr- crystals are rough and utterly naturally mo- natural formed. Uh, soon enough, the path opens up to another room, although in this case, cavern is probably a better description. Roots hang down from the top of the cavern, some of them reaching almost to the tops of your heads. The floor and the walls of the cavern have been extensively carved, with abstracts, whirls, and spikes covering most of the surfaces. Over time, a mess of mosses and lichens of varying colors have grown over the markings on the floor, turning the ground of the cave into a riot of different colors and filling the air with their musty scents. Only a few small places on the ground are bare stone. It takes a long moment, but then you finally see it. The thick green moss transforms into grassland. Reddish-brown lichen becomes a mountain range. A vibrant yellow growth becomes a patch of desert. Slowly, the map takes shape before you, the different natural growths creating, once again, the map of the continents you've seen twice before. And, once again, there is a distinct difference. You can barely see signs of humanity anywhere. The few patches of bare stone catch your eye, and you notice that the carvings in these places were cut in such a way as to make them difficult to see, while the other carvings accentuate and encourage the growths upon them. Two other things about this living map catch your eye. First, on the easternmost edge, there is a large patch of dead moss. The moss looks almost burned, the swath of dead vegetation black and oddly brittle looking. You notice a sharp, unpleasant odor underneath the earthy smell of moss when you go near that area. Secondly, stretching from the southernmost edge of the map, in a wavering line to the blackened portion of moss is a strain of oddly pearlescent lichen, a type which none of you have ever seen before. Uh, the lichen forms a barrier between the blackened portion of the moss and the rest of the map, as almost as though it was protecting the healthy portion from the dead portion. This time, there is no door, only one patch of open, rough cave in the far wall. The entire wall is jet black save for a ring of deep crimson arcing over the entire cavern like a ghoulish smile, and a blob of gray-white on the top center of the wall, staring like a blind eye. As soon as you step into the the room from the tunnel mouth, and a little bit after you've seen everything, you hear a growling screech from above you. Looking up, you see five squat, light-brown Pokémon with long, thin tails pig-like snouts and pointed ears, staring down at you with wide red eyes. 
uh, occult education, perception, and general education will give you things. I need a Pokemon education check from everyone. Okay. Alright. Ten. Uh, nine. Six. Okay. All of you recognize the light brown Pokemon as Mankey, and... Uh, all of you remember fast enough to avert your eyes so the Mankey don't immediately attack you. Oh, good. But they're still kind of staring down at you and growling. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's make use of the, the role that Richie gave me. Uh, let's do some occult education. Uh, that's going to give me uh, 15. Okay. You know that uh, you can practically, like, feel the magic in here, though none of the magical abilities that you've sensed can uh, affect plants, like, all the lichen and everything, this delicately for this long. You also know that, obviously, that the uh, blackness of the dark, of dark right over the top means that whatever is behind that, that rough cave opening is the worst case scenario. The room past this one is disaster. Did um, I'm perceiving nine. Okay. Uh, you notice something? A light coming from the inside the tunnel as well. Um, like just from one side of the tunnel, it seems like something is painted there. A Cresselia inside the uh, tunnel wall, painted inside the tunnel wall, that's glowing brighter than ever before. And that Cresselia adds a wrinkle, uh, because within the disaster, the worst case scenario, is something of vital importance for the future, if only it can be recovered. Alright, so I think... So the Mankey aren't attacking us yet. No, but they're growling at you. Okay, and we know that looking them in the eye is not a good idea, because they'll attack. And they're fighting type. Pokemon and um, for Michael, the player, Mankey is one of my favorite Pokemon, so <laughs> I want to own one, but. <laughs> um, yeah. You got a. What did you get in, uh, in Pokemon, in your uh, Pokemon education check again? You got a 10? I got a 10, yes. Okay, uh, you can tell that the Mankey are being led by one slightly larger male who is right now in the center of the group. So he's there's a larger male who's a little older and everything there, but... Mm, okay. Um, Professor Sneeze is going to focus on that um, alpha male, I guess. Um, and um, without making eye contact, I'm going to use that Pokemon education with my Psychologist. Um in order to, let me see, mm, we'll use that in place of charm and um, communicate to that Mankey and say, will you let us pass and give us access to this tunnel? Uh, we mean you no harm. We are here to protect these ruins and to discover the secrets and what we can learn from within. Uh, can you roll a Pokemon education for me? Oh, okay, sure. Yes, the first one was just to gain knowledge, so this is... A new one, okay. Yes. Give me that. 
Um, I, I'm okay with that because this is far better. This is 22. Okay. Um, Charlie, at this point, you notice that, uh, Katana has pulled her vanishing act again. Okay. Uh, and Professor Sneeze, the manky, the larger manky studies you for a second and then drops heavily to the ground in front of you. It stands up looking at you and then uh, turns into, like, turns its side towards you and, and facing its head towards you and puts its hands up in what is obviously a fighting pose. Okay. You realize that this is kind of a decently good step. Uh, the Mankey has challenged, is essentially saying, beat me and you can go past. Oh, okay. Uh, and since since it's made that pose... It's basically, uh, as long as you don't involve, as long, uh, it's, it's, it's saying that it will fight you guys by itself. It doesn't want other people to fight. It doesn't want the other, it doesn't want the other Mankey to fight unless they are attacked first. Okay, so, us and our Pokemon versus it? If you so choose. It seems to be facing Professor Sneeze, but okay. any of you. Any of the three trainers or, or their Pokemon can take up the challenge. Uh, it's expecting a one-on-one. Okay. Got it. Uh, before, before we do this, uh, Charlie's going to roll an intuition uh, because he wants to read the room and see, like, Charlie, of course, wants to catch the Pokemon. And he just wants to see, I want to see, uh, does Charlie realize if it's a good, like, if that it would be uh, an uncouth thing to do. Um, I, I mean, uh, this, this is known as a critical failure. I rolled a two in intuition. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie, Charlie, all Charlie, all Charlie knows is that a manky just dropped in front of them and wants to fight. Wow. Uh, and so Charlie says, Beatrice, go! No, Charlie, wait! (laughs) (laughs) So Beatrice comes out of her Pokeball. Charlie, that Minky just wants to do a one-on-one fight! Oh! Oh, I thought you guys were going to be backing me up on the... Uh, uh, oh, okay, alright, alright, uh, we can do this. The Mankey stares down at Beatrice for a long moment, and then rushes forward. Okay, so the Mankey rushes forward and claws furiously at Beatrice... He looks, uh, stops after a few seconds, but not before managing to do 25 physical normal damage. So, being Beatrice, uh, Beatrice's turn, uh, Charlie says, Okay, Beatrice, I picked you for a reason. Uh, use your gust attack on that minky. That is a uh, 20 special flying damage. Did you roll accuracy? I did not. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while since we've, we've done Pokemon's focus. <laughs> uh, that's a 13 on accuracy. Okay, you said 20 special flying? Yes. Okay. So that did 20 damage. But the Menke is not much worse for wear. Uh, yeah, Beatrice, um, uh, she circles the Menke, looks for an opportunity, and she, uh, beats her wings as fast as she can, uh, pushing the Menke, uh, back and, 
uh, debris and rocks and whatnot uh, uh, hit its body, um, but it just kind of shakes it off and uh, goes back into its fighting stance. The manky. Something in two seconds. <laughs> one uh-huh. Two one pound. The manky rushes forward again, and this time just scratches and scratches and scratches and scratches for an absurdly long amount of time. About <laughs> well, well, four attacks, I'm guessing? <laughs> Five, actually. <laughs> oh, wow, alright. Holy Fury swipes, and it does a grand total of 64 physical normal damage to Beatrice. Okay, um, and, uh, okay, so that's... That's the biggest uh, attack we've seen so far. So, uh, one more time, it was, uh, it was normal physical, right? Yeah, 64 normal physical damage. How many so, injuries does she take? Um, one for massive damage. One to going to fifty percent. One to going to zero percent, and one to going to negative fifty. Four injuries. Okay. Holy crap! And do I have to so, account for? Do I have to account for uh, her total HP then as well? Do I have to mark that somewhere or? No, her max HP is still on the far left. You see. No, uh, but her current HP, do I have to put that down in the negatives? Yes, current HP is down in the negatives. Okay, so 64, really it's going to be 53, uh, 29 minus 53 is Negative 24. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Beatrice, nice try, come, come on back, I guess. The, the manky stops panting for a second and then just turns back to you and lifts up his arms again. Charlie, do you mind if I take over? Charlie debates if he wants to just throw a pokeball at it as kind of like a revenge and trying to catch it. How how injured does the manky look? Uh, it looks it doesn't have any injuries okay. for out of character, but it looks it looks somewhat the worst for wear, but not too terribly. Okay. okay. Um, as Professor Sneeze is saying that, uh, Charlie uh, loads a pokeball into his sling, a, a great ball into his sling. And uh, throws it at the Mankey, intending to do damage. Okay. Uh, for accuracy, that's a 12. Okay, roll damage. Uh, damage, let me check on that again. I do this enough, I should know how to do this. <laughs> Alright, so that's going to be uh, 24 physical damage. Okay, and then roll to hit. Or roll, roll percentile. Roll to capture, roll, roll to capture yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 66, uh, minus 10, 56. Okay, as Charlie throws the Pokeball, there is a loud screech from above you, and another Mankey drops down to take the hit instead of the lead Mankey. He gets hit, gets captured into the ball, the ball shakes once, twice, ding! Congratulations, you've captured a level 13 male Mankey. Booyah! Booyah! By the way, all of the other Mankey are now screeching, and the boss Mankey looks very, very angry. Okay. Wow. Right? (laughs) That's right. We don't we don't think our way through these problems. We just catch the Pokemon and and faint them. And 
Okay, so um, Grunge is going to use Leer again. I got a 20 for that. Nice! Okay, so all four of the Mankey lose one speed stage. Or sorry, defense stage, so if you want to describe that. Alright. So Grunge is going to run to the front of our happy little group and again look very menacing in his little puppy cuteness <laughs> baring his teeth. <laughs> he's he's very scary. Right very menacing puppy cuteness. <laughs> he's very... Yeah, especially Lily like... being like, he's very scary, I promise. <laughs> Well, I mean, he just got a 20, so... <laughs> yeah, his glare. It's side. all in the glare. The glare, like, shows his true soul right now. How scary that really is. <laughs> Liliana is going to use Rock Smash on the main Mankey. The Alpha Mankey. Okay. I got a 9 for that. Okay, roll damage. I got 24 total. 24 total. Okay, you did 14 damage, and the Mankey did gain an injury. Describe that. Okay, so Liliana, spurred on by Grunge's leeringness, also runs runs over to Grunge's side and just goes... um, out of universe as Hulk smashes the Alpha Mangy. <laughs> Alright. Well, Alpha Mangy is reeling a bit now, but is still up and is still angry. Then, uh, one Mankey, actually two Mankey drop from the ceiling at about the same time um, on either side, and one of them goes after Grunge and the other one goes after Charlie and both of them hits. So the first one does a giant swinging chop at Grunge which does 30 physical fighting damage. Big old karate chop to one side and the other one smacks Charlie with a big old chop and does 30 physical fighting damage there. And then uh, the big old Alpha Mankey has had his attention caught by someone Hulk smashing him in the face. It wasn't me. So he actually draws himself up and just glares down at Liliana. Liliana loses one defense stage. Gross. Would it be my action to uh, recall Beatrice and put out another Pokemon? That would be a standard action, yes. Okay. No, that would be a move action, since she's fainted. Okay. Um, yeah, Charlie is a bit shooken up by uh, the, the Mankey attacking him, and he wants to make sure he's protected, so he brings uh, Be- uh, so, uh, Beatrice, come back! Um... Uh, Penny, come help out! So Penny comes out and she is uh, uh, ready to um, help defend Charlie. Penny can act immediately. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Penny is my my queen Scorpy. Uh, she's going to attack with uh, a pin missile. Uh, first things first. Ro- uh, well, roll the hit. Uh, that is a critical twenty. Okay. Now roll one d eight. Uh, and um, I should say, uh, uh, let's focus this on the on the Mankey that attacked me. Okay. Uh, that's an eight. I rolled an eight. <laughs> I rolled an eight. Okay. Well, we're just about to see an usurp- usurpation of the most damaging attack. <laughs> okay, roll... 10d12. <laughs> what? <laughs> Alright. Alright, um, 11. 7 is 18. Uh, 4 is 22. Uh, 12 is 34. Uh, 11 is uh, 45, and we're halfway done. Uh, 47, um, 55, 57, two more, right? Yep, two more. Uh, 61, and 9 for 70. Wow. Plus 60. (laughs) What? Four, four, five. Okay, how five strike works? You roll one d8. If you roll an eight, it hits five times, which means you take the damage base and multiply it by five. However, since uh, Penny is a bug type, the damage base is actually too higher, artificially too higher than what it would normally be. So it's actually three times five, fifteen plus two is seventeen. So it was a damage base of 17, which according to the chart is 5d12 plus 25. He hit a critical, so that doubles. That's insane. That's yep. madness. Absolute wow. madness. Um, so that Mankey gets lifted and borne bodily across the room. And uh, Penny actually sends out a, a massive amount of blast but then kind of stops and is seems to be panting very much and you notice that the Mankey is alive since Penny is le- under level 20 she cannot do lethal damage yet. <laughs> and that is the only reason there is a living Mankey. Wow. wow. Oh Holy man. That Mankey is uh, is one point away from negative 200% health and has nine injuries. You need oh ten gosh. injuries or 200% health to die. Oh, oh, man. Wow. Gosh. And it would be far more injuries and far more than that if it had done full damage. Oh, man. So, basically what happened here is, like, Penny, uh, I'm assuming through her Pokeball, she heard what happened to Beatrice and and she heard the the Mankey come and attack me, and she's like, uh, you know, she's like, you know, I, I, we, you know, me and Charlie, we've had our differences, but we ain't having none of this. So she comes out and she just uh, locks onto that Mankey and unleashes terror and <laughs> all of her fury on this one Mankey. I, I, I have to, I have to say this now. 
Penny's or Penny has used pin missile twice, three times. She's missed once. The other two times, first time if Bernie hadn't hadn't blocked it, Charlie would be would have fainted. <laughs> Penny is well named. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Um, I gotta ask since that was so good and we just we so much. Uh, I mean we did so much damage to that Mankey, does that gain us, like, any intimidation factor with the rest of them? Uh, they don't seem to be getting close to Penny. <laughs> Alright. The boss Mankey's looking really bad. Really bad. Alright. Um, oh, re- real quick question. Um, mm-hmm. just, just to see if I can get this, uh, get this damage total higher. Uh, did you account for that, that Mankey being leered as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah, oh, just with... If you had done full damage, like, if, if there had been full damage, you would have done 122 damage. Cool, cool. In total, it took 104 damage, because if it took any more, it would have died. <laughs> wow. Alright, well, um, Professor Sneeze is gonna throw a great ball at the boss Mankey. Look it up. So, trying to bring an end to this madness. Um, that is a 17. Okay. Uh, 27. Okay, the Pokeball shakes once. Shakes twice. Shakes three times. Ding! Congratulations, you caught a level 16 male Mankey. And seeing one Mankey thrown across the room and their boss captured, the other two Mankeys screech and fling and fly up into the roots as far away as they can and basically out of sight. And I'm assuming, uh, out of character, uh, Katana's probably going to show up again now, isn't she? <laughs> you see Katana in front of the cavern, kind of pointing... <laughs> Down it. Uh, Alright, so uh, it is now at this point where Charlie deems it appropriate to say, um, okay, now that now, now that the Mankeys aren't uh, aren't attacking us anymore, um, you know, look looking at these these symbols, looking at these drawings, the the big picture of Dark Ride tells us that if we go down this, something disastrous is going to happen. But do you see this Cresselia over here? It means there's something really important in here that we should probably give mind to as well. That sounds good. Let's go. So you head into the far tunnel. Uh, This tunnel is completely natural. It fluctuates in size and shape, and the floor is rough and utterly uneven. Uh, Different types and colors of moss hang on the walls, matching the moss you saw in the other room. The glowing crystals in the tunnel become more and more infrequent, replaced by the pearlescent lichen from the room before. The lichen covers every available patch of ground, slowly but surely, consuming all of the other moss. Then you start to notice brown patches in the mass of lichen. The brown patches grow until you are crunching through a pathway of dead lichen. Can I get a survival check? I'm good. From everybody? Uh, yeah, anybody. Anybody and everybody. Ten. Six. 
Five. Uh, the reason the lichen died is clear. By its behavior, you could tell that it was carnivorous and parasitic, gaining its sustenance by consuming the other patches of moss and lichen. It ate all of its food source and then starved to death. Oh. Um, maybe this is a dumb question, but what, when you say lichen, what are you referring to? The pearlescent lichen that grew onto the, mo- onto the walls and then slowly died? The moss. Moss? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, moss is lichen, sorry. Mo- mm-hmm. Moss and lichen are similar things, yes. Okay. Okay, so after a long period of blackness, uh, lit only by Professor Sneeze's hair and occasional gusts of flame from grunge, from, yeah, from grunge, uh, you reach a room. This room is roughly the same dimensions as all the other rooms you've been in thus far, but that's where the similarity ends. The room is drenched in deep shadow making it nearly impossible for you to tell where the walls are. Weak crystals illuminate two small patches of ground, immediately drawing the eye to them. The first light comes from an uneven patch of bare earth, surrounded by weak crystals giving it its eye-catching glow. At first, the patch seems to be barren, but when you look closer, you see the barest shoot of a green plant. The second light shines from the ceiling, a shaft of sunlight that seems almost impossible to steep underground. It illuminates an ancient-looking scroll of yellowed paper, laying on the ground as though dropped there by accident. In the back of the cave is another tunnel mouth, this one as unadorned as the rest of the room. Perception, general, occult education. Well, I'll give you things. Eleven on general education. Uh, for cults, we got ourselves a 22. Nice. Thanks, Richie. <laughs> and perception? Perception, I got a 10. Okay. Um, Liliana, you are attracted to the bare earth area, and you realize that the patch is in the rough shape of the Chandi region, more or less, and the shoot is growing just off-center, where the Trilithon Sanctuary is now located. You also count, and there are 18 glowing crystals surrounding the area. Professor Sneeze, you can't make head or tail of the writing that is on the scrap of paper, but Charlie, you realize that it looks like the oldest known writings of the D people, but there's enough differences to make you think that it's at least an entirely different dialect, if not a different language altogether. That's very interesting. So I, I mentioned that to, to Professor Caesar, like, yeah, I don't know if we'd be able to glean anything from this right now, but maybe we should hang on to it and ask uh, some of the researchers. Maybe they know something about it. Let, let's let's keep that and and see if it if anyone we meet knows something about it. That's a great idea. Yeah, Katana nods and then points to the uh, tunnel in the back. All right, Katana, lead the way. <laughs> We, yeah, we follow, we follow Katana. The tunnel twists and turns around itself, looping back and seeming to slowly move upwards until you find yourself at a solid wall with a lever to your right. Pulling on the lever causes the wall to grind outwards, revealing the first room you were in the ruins. You appear from the western wall. We're, we're back to where we started! And it looks like this is the amount of time that we have left for this session. Thank you for wait, joining us wait, this wait, week. Wait, 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 Charlie, wait, no, we, we can't, we, 
We just went in a circle. No, what? No, we can't stop. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week. You can find us online at tapestryradio.org slash Pokemon dash rollout on Twitter at Podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Rollout. Also, follow our network on Twitter at Tapestry Radio and check out some of our other great shows at tapestryradio.org like Intermission and Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch. A special thank you to Rocco W. for our theme music, Electric Donkey Muscles, and a special shout-out to Culturally Irrelevant uh, for mentioning us. Yeah, they gave us a shout-out on their most recent uh, episode. They, um, uh, yeah, Culturally Irrelevant, we know these guys from college. They talk about overlooked goodies in pop culture. Uh, So if you're bored with what's going on in pop culture and all of the more well-known TV shows, movies, uh, comic books, all those different things, uh, they'll give you some stuff that's uh, a little bit less known. Uh, So check them out on uh, wherever your podcasts are sold, culturally irrelevant. Uh, Check them out. All right. So once again, I'm Nick, and by the time this this comes out... Water. Water. By the time this comes out, uh, you should be able to follow me at uh, PokeRollNick on Twitter. Hopefully. If I ever figure out how Twitter works. <laughs> I'm really 60 years old, I promise. Old man. <laughs> uh, I, I am Paul, and um, you can find me at Twitter at ProfSnag. That's okay, I, I have the Twitter, but I don't Twitter very well. And uh, by the way, the Tynamo that I caught, she's a lady. Ah, yes! One yeah. per episode! Thank you, Paul. I did so well this time. I'm... You did, you did. Despite You're growing up water. so fast. Uh, I'm Michael. You can follow me on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. And I am Lydia, and I'm too cool for social media still. If you like what we do here every other week on Pokemon Rollout, tell a friend. Retweet us, and especially, please rate us on iTunes. We really appreciate it. We're begging on our knees. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and we'll catch ya later. Next time on Pokemon Rollout. With the leftmost path in the ruins behind them, the trainers turn right and head deeper into the strange rooms. What Pokémon will they meet along this route? What do the different paths in the ruins mean? And why does an ominous black shadow seem to appear everywhere they go? Find out next time on Pokémon Rollouts. Okay, I'm gonna grab more water quick. Water. Yeah, more water. Do you not? Are you not very? Do you not have good handwriting, Michael? Um, I have Michael could have. Michael could have qualified for a doctor on his handwriting alone. <laughs> Here, here's an example of some of my handwriting. It's a mountain. Oh no! Range. Get it away! This is a mountain range. <laughs> oh, um, it so bad. It just looks super fancy. Ben, oh, Benji you. wants. Benji You're wants to throw. <laughs> Um, that's just me. This is how I roll. This is how I do things, you know, sometimes or whatever. Hey, you do you. Hey, hey, thanks. <laughs> okay. So you did take some liberties that I allowed yes, you to you, take? You gave me. <laughs>
liberties that were allowed me by the constitution of this show. (laughs) Yes. That all works out very nicely. Perfect. I love it when a plan comes together. So if so, you're drinking a whiskey sour. So if Professor Sneeze gets steadily more less, uh, less able to less uh, clear over time. We know why. Coherent. Coherent. That was the word I was trying to say. I know. I was I'm drinking blind. water. So. <laughs> I finished and you're the one having trouble and with also... vocabulary. <laughs> Wait, I have a drink too this time. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's just water. It's just water. <laughs> It's got a yeah. little frog on it, though. Look how happy it looks. Aww. Yay. <laughs> it, it's, a log- it, it's a logic. It, or it, it's, 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 a lo- it's a logic sentence. I forget what it's specifically called, but uh, all classes are features. A syllogism. But, but yes, yeah, syllogism. All classes are features. See, some again, features are you're drinking water, I'm <laughs> drinking a whiskey sour, and I am having a better time with vocabulary than you are. I never what? said I'm good at vocabulary. Just... Why can't we just play a simple game like Diplomacy? <laughs> <laughs> Completely random thing. This will be the last thing. I'm okay. sorry. Um, My little no. My little <laughs> Whiskey ah, sour. Uh, vocabulary. <laughs> Water. <laughs> Albuquerque. No. Um, genuinely man. Ge- generally man. Generally manifests. Water. <laughs> I'm drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> There are too many options for subtitles for this episode. <laughs> we are so blessed. <laughs> editing. Mike, let's do some editing. <laughs> Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener, obviated objects of oblivion obambulating about, offered unto you in the Tapestry Radio Network, tapestryradio.org, from our fancy to yours.